Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. Uh, We are on episode 83, season two, and I'm calling this the power of practice and keep trying. And I'd like to start with uh, a piece from Norman Vincent Peale. Um, the positive principle today and uh, this was taken from a section uh, of keeping the positive principle going and you can do wonders if you keep trying and um, I'll read a little bit of this from the text if you really try you can that is right the things that you now think have you defeated licked beaten those things can be handled dealt with overcome And how? Just simply by trying. Only a minuscule few of those who accomplish things in this world are in any sense super intellects. However, they have one super quality that keeps them going. They just plain try. You'll never know what you can do until you try. Just try. Indeed, that is the name of the game. The attitude taken toward problems and difficulties is far and away the most important factor in controlling and mastering them. The motivational writer Kermit W. Lewick reports on a university research program which was set up to determine the factors in the formula for success. They are listed as the four in number, IQ, knowledge, skills, and attitude. And according to Lewick, um, attitude accounts for an astonishing 93% of success. Of primary importance is the I will keep trying attitude the never give up, the stick with it, the hang in there, the keep it going attitude. And then he gives an illustration of um, how much he hated math and his mother continued to make him try as a kid and continued to push him in that subject and never let him quit and had him keep trying and keep practicing on that math. And he said his mother would never let him get away with uh, letting go and he said he had to really work at and keep trying until he learned his math, which uh, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Since a lot of people don't always enjoy math. And he said his mother's wise discipline paid off. Um, He said, I've never been offered a professorship in mathematics. He did learn one vital lesson to the effect that if you simply try, you have learned one of the greatest of all success secrets. Actually, those who perfect the try technique may not be endowed with brilliant talent, but they go places in life, sometimes even to the attainment of stellar achievement, because they become indomitable and undefeatable competitors. It becomes utterly impossible for them to accept the mediocre or to cease from striving for seemingly elusive perfection. And that reminds me of the Olympics that was just on. And we've got to see some great examples of that continuing to try and not settling and uh, when odds were against them, they really pushed and made that extra effort, which ended up in uh, medals for many of our Olympians. Uh, and then I want to look again at another piece from Practice Perfect, uh, 42 Rules for Getting Better at Getting Better from Doug Lamov. And, and he's the best-selling author of Teach Like a Champion, a great book that I've used before with staff and with teachers And he has some great techniques, which I still use today when I'm coaching uh, teachers. There's some really good stuff in that book, um, Teach Like a Champion. But this one, um, also by Erica Woolway and Katie Yezzy, 
And uh, this chapter, he was talking about the culture of practice. Practice doesn't happen in a vacuum. How well practice is supported with any group or organization, be it a basketball team, a school, or a multinational corporation, can determine whether people embrace it and e eagerly take on new challenges or whether they resent practice and fail to engage in it. Great practice, then, is not merely a triumph of design and engineering, but a triumph of culture. By culture, we mean the expectations for interactions between people in the organization, as well as their core beliefs, the ideas individuals take for granted and think of as normal within a particular organization or system. How people think about and talk about practice in a car ride home and in the days after their ideas for their own development and improvement and how they react to and support their peers when they are watching them practice are all critical to the life of a talent-driven organization. A talent-driven organization. And um, then he goes on to talk about, uh, let's see, Dr. Yoon Kang, director of the Margaret and Ian Smith Clinical Skills Center at the Wheel Cornell Medical College, has established a culture rooted in the practice of intentional, repetitive, and iterative activities that help turn medical students into accomplished doctors. This should come as no surprise. Medical schools are designed to be places where students learn the practice of medicine, but not all medical schools are created equal, equal when it comes to creating a culture of practice. In many schools, there is a culture of sink or swim. Historically at Cornell, as in most medical schools, doctors were trained to conduct intakes and physical exams in the classroom setting. Students were then, then sent into a hospital to conduct patient interviews, learning on the job. With a more recent emphasis on patient safety, uh, the licensure to become a doctor made it a requirement for students to interact with an actor patient. All medical schools started integrating simulated practice and role plays into their programs. Standardized patient encounters first used in 1963 at the University of Southern California by Howard Barrows became the norm in medical schools across the country. Students perform exams on actor patients who are specifically trained to follow the details of the case, making the experience as realistic as possible. This prepares students to establish rapport with patients, effectively perform examinations and other clinical skills. So they're talking about um, practicing beyond the norm. And the same thing uh, with teaching, it, it helps for the teachers to do a lot more with practice. And in terms of just practicing um, their skills, I had peer visits and allowed them to go to other classrooms and to not really appraise each other, but to give feedback and positive feedback to each other and to learn from each other. And also had uh, teachers presenting in uh, staff meetings on things that were successful for them. And it created this culture of practice around teaching and around effective practices. And we shared effective practices and collaborated on effective practices. And it was a good uh, feedback loop uh, for teachers learning to be better and then, you know, I've constantly said uh, allowing your staff to do um, all kinds of things or try new things without it counting against them is one of my number one um, for building a staff. And, and I think that's important in this aspect as you're looking at how to effectively work with students and how to increase your achievement and what things are working well within a building and how to increase dialogue. Um, he goes on to talk about a lecture in uh, Harvard where, the, of course, um, most of the professors had uh, big lecture halls and didn't have a chance for 
the students to actually engage in the principles and things and understand the concepts behind the formulas. And they talk about a professor who shifted his approach to focus more on active student learning and less lecture by asking his students to discuss and explain problems to each other. Uh, the students were be better able to understand and retain information two months after taking his course. So, I mean, basically he's talking about uh, more engaged classrooms and the engagement that we always talk about within education to that we use to get our students more involved um, and that continual practice of of um, cultivating our craft and getting it better at what we do is so important and then I'm going to take a little bit uh, look at the essential wooden a lifetime of lessons on leaders and leadership from John Wooden and John Wooden was an amazing coach and he was often quoted in leadership and often quoted in a lot of different ways because he has some uh, powerful, powerful information. And let me read you this one here. This was on how to teach. My classroom was the basketball court. It was there that I taught everything from correct hand and foot movement to values and attitudes, including enthusiasm, loyalty, self-control, and more. Perhaps correct foot movement isn't on your list of essentials, but certainly enthusiasm is. All of it was taught using the same method, the four laws of learning. And his four laws of learning, which are going to sound very similar to uh, education uh, teaching, is uh, number one was explanation, number two was demonstration, and number three was limit imitation, correction when necessary, and so basically feedback. And then number four was repetition, so that uh, practicing and getting better. These four laws of learning will work pretty well for improving the performance of any team, organization, or group. And another key thing that Wooden was uh, real big on was uh, teaching his teams the basics and um, learning from those basics. And I did the same thing with... Uh, uh, what Michael Schmoker would call the gradual release framework with modeled, shared, guided, and independent, and having the teachers have that background in teaching and that way of setting up a lesson that becomes the basics and the base of what we were doing in our lessons. And that seemed to help, help gauge our uh, learning and also help to increase the effectiveness of our learning and gave teachers... A strong base as well and I'd like to end tonight with a quote and I think the best quote probably to use tonight would be uh, something from from John Wooden as well and of course then my place jumped away from me easily at my fingertips and now all of a sudden I don't have my quote that I was going to use. All right, found my quote. Obviously everyone has a job to perform, responsibilities to fulfill, but John Wood Wooden had the idea that if you're in a supervisory position you don't adopt the posture that you're way up here and everybody else is way down there. Instead he believed we all work together. Somebody makes decisions, yes, but that doesn't make that person superior. Everybody is working together. 
And that kind of sums it up and talks about our positive culture as well. So keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, remember to stay positive. been listening to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.